Side at Midnight with Frank Morano. legendary rock group KISS. Uh, KISS is also an acronym, which uh, when I was in school, we were taught that it stood for Keep It Simple Stupid. And believe it or not, not that he's the least bit stupid, but I am often struck by that acronym when I review the work of Lee Fang. If you don't know who Lee Fang is, you are missing out because independent journalism is where it's at. And there are so many independent journalists that I'm following on a regular basis that are doing the kind of serious, the, the, the kind of serious investigative journalism that's seems to be totally lacking in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, NBC News, etc. And the reason that that acronym is so often in my head is because so often it looks like all you had to do was look. All you had to do was connect the dots and there are such obvious connections to be made and yet repeatedly Lee Fang has proven himself to be the one person that's willing to do the legwork of connecting the dots. I'm very pleased to welcome back to the program independent journalist and investigative reporter Lee Fang. Lee, it's great to talk to you again. Hey, Frank, thanks so much for having me. Good to be back. It's great to have you back. Obviously, we've been spending a lot of time on this uh, Maui situation, and it's becoming increasingly likely that the uh, that this wildfire, the deadliest that we've seen in you know about a century, was probably caused by this utility company, this Hawaiian utility, Hawaiian Electric, and it looks like they uh, did almost everything that could have been done incorrectly. You had a fascinating story this week that um, while they were failing to act on fire prevention, they actually had a pretty cozy relationship with the very same regulators that were supposed to be keeping them honest. What did you learn? What did your research show you? Well, look, um, in Hawaii, most of the electricity comes from one utility monopoly, Hawaiian Electric Company. And this is a company that is the largest publicly traded company in Hawaii. It's been there forever. You know, they've had a deal with wildfires uh, increasingly in recent years in, in Maui in particular. In 2018, there were a number of wildfires. In 2019, there were some of the largest uh, modern wildfires in Maui history. And so the company, you know, one of those fires in 2019 actually came close to burning uh, a utility power station 
on the island. So the company was very aware of the threat. Uh, They conducted a study. They talked with state officials, Maui local officials, uh, emergency response folks, people in state government, county government. They were looking at this. They saw that this island is particularly at risk of a serious wildfire for a number of reasons. And um, the company, the utility company here, they, after conducting a study, they, they actually discussed with the utility commission, hey, we've got to spend more on wildfire prevention. That's cutting down um, certain types of uh, grass that is prone to being uh, dry and dry weather conditions and, and catching fire, including the, the grass around Lahaina, um, reinforcing the power lines, um, creating a, a kind of emergency response mechanism when there are, are times of high wind. You know, where I live in California, um, Calif- the California regulators and the utility company finally came to a solution where when there are you know, periods with, with extremely high wind, you know, 70 miles per hour wind, gusts of wind from storm, you know that, that power lines are going to be knocked over in those scenarios. You've got to have automatic turnoff of mm-hmm. uh, uh, parts of the grid that are connected to those power lines in, in those situations. Well, uh, in the in on a, on their in earlier part of this month, when um, Hawaii was experiencing high winds, we saw power lines go down. There are eyewitness accounts. There are even videos of power lines going down and sparking the tragic fire in Lahaina and West Maui. So it looks very likely that the utility company was at fault here despite knowing full well all of this knowledge, studying other power utility companies around the the country, looking at the experience in California, even looking at their own experience in 2019, the company failed to act. They only spent less than $245,000 on wildfire prevention, even though they had identified all the problems they needed to fix. They didn't fix the problems. And the utility board, the Hawaii Public Utilities Commission that regulates them, they did nothing. They did not force them to act. So this is a, a corporation uh, caught in the headlights that knew that what it needed to be done and did not do it. These are, these are state regulators and local politicians that knew the threat and did not force or compel the, regu- the, the utility company to do the right thing. So what should the regulator have been doing if uh, this, uh, this Hawaiian Electric was doing everything that you just described? And it sounds like there was every red flag in the world that they were not doing the right thing in terms of fire prevention. What should the regulators have stepped in and done in a perfect scenario? In a perfect scenario, either the utility commission, the public utilities commission, or the state legislature should have compelled the, the, the utility to act. Look at the last 20 years. The utility commission and the state legislature, the governor, has been happy in Hawaii to talk about climate change, to, to say, hey, look, utility company, um, here's how we're going to regulate you on um, you know, how much you're charging ratepayers on, on the electricity bill. Here's how you should source your electricity for renewable energy. They're happy to boss around the company where there's maybe political consensus or in the state on the, on these other kind of environmental issues. Um, they simply drag their feet on in terms of wildfire uh, prevention. They didn't make it a priority. And I should add, you know, the, just like so many other utilities, electric utilities around the country, um, this is a, this is a, this might be an area of uh, regulatory capture. You know. I found that every single member of the Public Utilities Commission has financial or previous financial connections uh, to Hawaiian Electric. Uh, the chairperson previously worked for the company. 
another uh, member of the board, previously served as an attorney to the utility firm. Uh, this is a company that spent more on lobbying over the last three years than spent on wildfire prevention in Maui. So, you know, they were happy winding and dining regulators of, you know, even sponsoring a documentary touting their own virtues. And, you know, they, they featured a, regula- a regulator and President Obama and, and others in, in this documentary that they aired back in April of this year, the, the Utility Commission or the utility itself, um, uh, talking about how much uh, important work they're doing on climate change mitigation and new power source generation on, on wind energy and solar and electric vehicles. But they didn't do the basics of wildfire prevention. And now we have uh, over 100 dead and 1,000 still Ugh. missing. It's uh, absolutely disgraceful. Talking with Lee Fang, if you want to learn more about uh, the, some of the stories that he's covering, you can go to LeeFang.com. That's LeeFang.com. Give us an idea. I know you describe cozy ties that the utility had to the regulators. And I think you aptly described what Hawaiian Electric did did wrong. So they spent $437,252, according to your article, on lobbying state officials, including utility regulators. I think a lot of Americans might be a little surprised and a little taken aback, quite frankly, that regulators can be lobbied by the very same utilities that have a monopoly that they're supposed to be regulating. Is this standard operating procedure in the whole country? Do do uh, the people regulating utilities frequently get wined and dined by them? Look, it, it, it is. You know, I, the reason I, I kind of wrote this article as quickly as I did it's because I've written similar pieces about, you know, uh, the electric utilities in Virginia, in Maryland, uh, where I grew up in Maryland. I've written about the issue a little bit. I now live in California. You know, PG&E, the major electric utility in Northern California, you know, they avoided the same type of wildfire uh, investments for decades, and they were able to skirt those type of investments by buying off uh, politicians regulators, utility commission, other policymakers, because look, this is a, utilities are kind of the classic monopoly. You know, they've, they've got a, a captured right. industry. We, we've all got to have electricity, you know, or we all need power. Um, it's not like we can go on the free market and choose a different electric company. That's really just not how it works. Mm-hmm. And so they have every incentive to use the money, the ratepayer money, not just for dividends and, and executive compensation, but to section off a small amount of that money for lobbying to make sure they aren't forced to uh, change business practices that, that they don't deem as necessary. So, you know, you, you, you know, you'd need a, a strong watchdog for these companies because they have so much power and they are absolutely inherently so dangerous as well. No, no doubt about it. As this uh, as this Hawaiian situation and what we've seen previously in California indicates. All right. um, A fascinating article you have about the inquiry into Jeffrey Epstein. We all know about Jeffrey Epstein and his misdeeds involving uh, young people and women. And uh, ultimately, he was headed for a world of legal troubles before he died in uh, a federal prison. You have a story looking at the Virgin Islands Attorney General, Denise George, as it relates to this Epstein inquiry. What did you learn about this uh, this situation involving Denise George? Well, Denise George, the former Attorney General of the Virgin Islands, 
was one of the few heroes in this Epstein story. You know, we've seen countless examples of people who have taken Epstein money or you know, flown on his private plane or go to these his various resort islands or resort locations where he's reportedly molested uh, young girls and women. Um, and so many politicians and prosecutors look the other way. Uh, Denise George is different. You know, when she came into office, uh, she started pushing for investigations into Epstein. She, uh, after his death in 2019, uh, she vigorously pushed investigations into his estate, won a, you know, a gigantic $105 million settlement into his formal, for, former estate, made sure that there was a special um, rule in place there that, you know, if they sell uh, his, his, his private island, Little St. James, half the proceeds have to go back to the state or the, the territory of the Virgin Islands. Well, look, back in December on New Year's Eve, uh, in a scenario that no one quite understands, uh, the governor of uh, Virgin Islands, Albert Bryan, fired her unceremoniously, just let her go. Um, and that was just after she filed a new lawsuit against J.P. Morgan, claiming that the bank had helped facilitate uh, Epstein's criminal enterprise. Now, um, the litigation that she filed against J.P. Morgan is still ongoing. And in new filings that were just uh, placed into court last week, it provides a little bit more of a window into uh, the political relationships in the Virgin Islands. In fact, Albert Bryan, before Epstein had died, had pressured Denise George to give a, a special waiver to Jeffrey Epstein um, to allow him to travel freely without uh, any restrictions based on his classification wow. as a tier one sex offender. So, I mean, it's, it's an incredible level of political intrigue. I mean, I, I, not many people are still following the story. I'm still following the court uh, filings. And, you know, Epstein kind of was able to evade sex offender law. He actually helped write the, his own sex offender law in the, in, the, in the Virgin Islands so he could travel freely by buying off the state, the, the territory legislature there, buying off the governors, buying off the prosecutors. You know, he was giving money to other uh, politicians back in mainland uh, United States. So, so but, uh, the you again, in, in uh, July, she testified under oath that uh, that Brian had given her a uh, had personally lobbied her to issue this special waiver to the sex offender law so that Epstein could travel freely without special notifications or restrictions. Do you believe that she was ousted because she was too tough on Epstein and this Epstein inquiry? Well, look, you know, I, I I've, I've been trying to get in touch with Denise George. I uh, haven't been able to talk to her yet, but I'm looking at the available evidence. You know, the fact that, you know, almost every major political figure in the Virgin Islands took Epstein money except for her. Um, so she's one of the few prosecutors that's been continuing to fight uh, for the truth and the Epstein story. And here she is, you know, vigorously prosecuting the former Epstein estate and uh, prosecuting J.P. Morgan, and, among others, and, and then the governor fires her. And now it's come out that you know she was under incredible pressure, very unusual pressure to, to give special favors to Epstein on behalf of that same governor. You know, I, I think it's fair to, to, to ask these questions.
Lee, I'm about to ask your your view of a story that's become very polarized politically. For listeners that may not be familiar with your work, and they've almost been trained in the professional wrestling style cable news atmosphere that we're living in, that if, uh, if they're conservative and a liberal is reporting something, they immediately have to not believe it. And if they're liberal and a conservative is re- reporting it, vice versa, just so people can appropriately guard themselves uh, uh, from your political bias, whatever that might be on your reporting. How do you characterize your own politics, if at all? That's a good question. No, I've, I've you know, I, I considered myself more left-leaning uh, in my, my 20s and my youth. I'm in my late 30s now, and I think it's just a mix. You know, if I, I you know, I, I care deeply about justice. I care deeply about uh, shared prosperity. Um, you know, uh, I, I want to hold everyone powerful accountable. It's both the Republicans and the Democrats, as big corporations, big foundations, uh, the billionaire class, as it were. Um, so, you know, I, I think just look at an issue, and, and I might have some disagreement with with readers, uh, depending on the issue. If there are left wing readers that call me a, a fascist, and you know, conservative. Readers who have, you know, used uh, various insults at me because, you know, I write about touchy issues, hot button issues, um, but, but I report it just based on the facts. You will see in any of my stories, I link all the documents. Um, I, I, I can, I, I post the interviews. Um, I, I just try to lay it out there and be as fair-minded Absolutely. as I can. And let people draw their own conclusions. And I think that's why uh, I view your reporting as such an oasis in this sea of, of propaganda. And I wanted to ask you that question because you have a story out about Hunter Biden, and it's so difficult to even say the words Hunter Biden without having people retreat to their corner of the ring uh, politically. Mm-hmm. I, I um, ha- had a, a Wikipedia page for about three days. A listener started it, and then people complained about what was on it. It was taken down. Uh, apparently, I should have just done what Hunter Biden did. You've got a story that it indicates that emails show Hunter Biden actually hired specialists to quietly airbrush his Wikipedia page. I had no idea that the man that we see in all these uh, leaked laptop photos was so image conscious. What exactly was uh, Hunter Biden trying to get changed on his Wikipedia page? Well, I'm looking at the Hunter Biden laptop emails, and this is just kind of a side story because this gives an interesting window into how the powerful, powerful politicians and figures, the rich and uh, major corporations kind of airbrush Wikipedia. You know, Wikipedia is supposed to be, uh, it's, it's, there's a ban on paid editing. Um, it's supposed to be only community-driven um, organic content. Of course, in reality, that's not the case. And so this is a very interesting window on how it really works. Uh, Hunter Biden was kind of obsessed with his own uh, image on, on Wikipedia. He was constantly hiring various, uh, both like uh, well-known PR firms and uh, these kind of fly-by-night uh, secretive uh, PR firms that specialize in farming out um, anonymous edits to airbrush the images of, of the powerful. And so, of course, they don't just serve people like Hunter Biden, but you know, major corporations, uh, oil companies, banks, and what have you. Um, so, you know, the, the emails in Hunter Biden's laptop just show the various negotiation of how much of how it works. You know, it's it, you know, one firm was charging him. Four thousand two hundred fifty dollars a month to wow. make these edits. 
they were cutting out, you know, criticism, adding praise, you know, adding the, his board seats and, you know, um, awards that he won, his his work for a Catholic charity, you know, and then deleting his, his various business ties that might have seemed unseemly. Uh, and, and, you know, this is just how, how it works. I mean, I, I mean, this is, you know, I, I appreciate your kind of intro into talking about this, because, yes, if you say Hunter Biden, you're going to assume this is a partisan story that, you know, only Republicans care about this. But no, I think if you're on the left or right, you're going to read Wikipedia. It's the top search result for almost any major mm-hmm. controversy or figure. Um, the fact that these and it's and it's kind of portrayed as the most neutral possible um, uh, 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 website, but it it's not. You know, if you it's a it's a pay to play website, social website like so many others. And and this story, I think uh, you know your listeners will appreciate it if they, if they look through the story, uh, click the links. They'll see the edit history and, and how some of these kind of uh, kind of fake accounts that were basically paid and, and, and controlled by PR firms had airbrushed Hunter's image just as they had done uh, for so many other Lee Fang, I could talk with you all day. I hope you'll come back soon, and I hope people check out your website, LeeFang.com, and subscribe to your Substack. I certainly enjoy it a great deal. Thank you, Lee. Hey, Frank, have a good night. Thanks again for having me and doing what you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate it as well.